Jamie, Faith, and his wife, Jennifer, had recently marked their 15th wedding anniversary with great joy. Yet their world was shattered the morning after as tragedy struck during their routine morning walk as Jamie fell victim to a random masked assailant sustaining multiple gunshot wounds. Little did anyone know that this horrifying incident would eventually reveal sinister secrets hidden beneath the surface. I'm Chelsea May, and this is Exhibit May. Known for its mid-20th century homes, vibrant street art, and endearing indie shops, Jamie Faith and his wife Jennifer, both 49 years old, and their teenage daughter Amber, called the Oak Cliff neighborhood in Dallas, Texas, their beloved home. They resided at 926 South Waverly Drive in a charming soft blue single-family house spanning 2,607 square feet, featuring three bedrooms and three bathrooms. The couple met in 2005 when Jamie, aged 34, and Jennifer, aged 33, went on a blind date in Phoenix, Arizona. Jennifer had recently started attending church, and on one occasion, she had to choose a word written on a rock, coincidentally picking out the word faith, and later discovering that Jamie's last name was Faith, making her believe that it was a sign that their connection was destined to be. Jamie Faith Jr. hailed from Wisconsin while Jennifer was a true Texan by birth. Jamie was born in 1971 and pursued his education at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, focusing on computer science. His academic background paved the way for a rewarding career in software engineering, eventually leading him to the role of IT director at American Airlines. At the same time, Jennifer held a master's degree in speech pathology and was employed as a speech therapist at a rehab hospital. Jamie was characterized by his friends as a charismatic and kind-hearted individual with a great sense of humor and willing to go great lengths for any stranger. They often mentioned that he had never expressed a desire to settle down or marry until he met Jennifer. The couple was frequently described as deeply affectionate, often seen sharing kisses and holding hands to display their love for each other. Jamie had a deep love for football, and Jennifer seamlessly blended in with the group of guys while they cheered on the Packers. The couple loved traveling and savoring fine wines, spending quality time with friends, but most importantly, adoring each other and their daughter. In 2017, Jamie received a significant promotion which promoted the pair to move to Dallas and settle in the Oak Cliff area, where they began a new chapter in their lives. In 2020, amid the pandemic lockdown, Jamie and Jennifer dedicated much of their time to enjoying the outdoors by taking regular walks around their neighborhood. On a peaceful autumn morning of October 9th that year, the happy couple who had just celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary began their day with their morning usual walk with their dog, Maggie. Just as they stepped out of their home and onto the sidewalk, Jennifer detected the sound of running footsteps approaching from behind. 
When she turned around, she was confronted by a medium-built man wearing a dark hooded jacket with a blue mask concealing his face who menacingly aimed a 45 caliber handgun at her husband. Without hesitation, the masked assailant fired three shots into Jamie's head, three into his chest, and one into his groin. It was a normal day. We got the dog ready and walked out the door like we always do. I heard running behind me and I turned around to see what was going on. Next thing I knew, he was shooting at Jamie and, um, and then turned around and came after me and tackled me. And- The suspect then turned to Jennifer, securing her hands with duct tape, subjecting her to physical assault, and attempting to forcibly take her jewelry. Amid this horrifying experience, Jennifer's anguished screams eventually drove the assailant to quickly flee the scene, leaving without taking any valuables. As neighbors heard gunshots, one person ventured outside and walked to the end of his driveway to investigate the situation. I hear rapid fire gunshots and I immediately dropped to the ground. It seemed very close and I own a handgun. I recognized a sound. What happened? I walked to the end of my walkway. Call the police. And I saw what looked like feet and a body laying in the street. But as I started running that way, the killer appeared in the walkway. He was in a mask and a hoodie. I didn't get a chance to see his face because I saw him with a gun in his hand and ran back in the house. I came in the house, locked the door, and I grabbed my gun. Then I ran back out. I took a chance and ran on down. I went straight to Jamie, but Jamie didn't look to be alive, and so then I went and grabbed Jennifer's hands and we prayed. I couldn't offer her her husband back. I could not offer her her safety. So for me, When all hope is lost, we look up. Numerous occurrences were captured on residents' doorbell cameras, with one camera documenting heartfelt moments as Jennifer wept and compassionate neighbors approached to offer comfort as she grieved the loss of her love's life. When I spoke to Jennifer, it was very brief. I hugged her, told her, if there's anything I can do, text me, call me. This is a scene of absolute horror. This woman has just seen the worst thing imaginable. Shortly afterward, police and first responders arrived on the scene and officially pronounced Jamie Faith deceased. By the time we got there, the police had already started to tape it off, so we couldn't get too close to him, but we did see his body still laying in the street, and they hadn't even covered it yet. After I saw him there, I still just could not believe it. Just in shock. I just wanted to make sure first that Jennifer was okay. While Jennifer was transported to the police station for a formal interview, investigators began knocking on doors, gathering security camera footage, and what they uncovered were multiple videos showing the suspect's getaway truck departing the area. 
The vehicle in question was a black Nissan Titan pickup truck featuring a distinctive white sticker on its rear window bearing the letter T, a Texas Rangers logo. Regrettably, the absence of a license plate number posed a significant challenge. Trying to locate a black truck with no license plate in Dallas would be like finding a needle in a haystack. At the police station, Jennifer provided a detailed account of the events, but when she came to the part where someone had shot her husband, she became overwhelmed with emotion, making it challenging to continue her narrative. During that time, it was COVID, so a lot of the facial expression, I really couldn't see it because she had a mask on, but I just know from looking in her eyes, she was very emotional. I turned around and I just saw this person shoot and <laughs> Just like, put my glitch, and then I just saw the bird just turn and like just. So, 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 was your husband like this? Did he put the same thing to him? No, I think, I don't know. I know, I, I think I was yelling no. And I think he did the same thing. It just seemed quiet. That's all I remember the shots. And several shots. What a lot of shots. Uh, six, five, six, maybe, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And he just kept going, and I couldn't stop it. <laughs> just, just like, put my gut, and it was Visibly distraught, she described the assailant with exceptionally dark eyes and couldn't discern the rest of his face which was concealed by a blue mask. She also informed detectives that the attacker had physically harmed her by striking her, using tape to bind her hands together, and attempting to steal her jewelry, although he was unsuccessful. In the aftermath of the killing, Jennifer, now a grieving widow, addressed the media and made an emotional plea for assistance in finding her husband's murderer. One of the questions the reporter asked is, what did this person take from your life? Everything. Everything. My partner, my best friend. I just hope that at some point, maybe this person can recognize the gravity of what they've done and feel some sort of guilt enough to come forward because this is, I'm not supposed to be widowed at 48, you know? She also confided in her friends, expressing worry about being unable to cover the bills given her unemployment and Jamie's role as a sole provider. 
In response, they extended their assistance by sending her a $5,000 check and started a GoFundMe campaign titled Support for Jennifer Faith. The community rallied together, raising over $60,000 and a reward of $25,000 was announced by Crime Stoppers for any information that could lead to the suspect's arrest. In addition to financial support, neighbors joined Jennifer on daily walks with their dogs and remained watchful for any sign of the black truck. As days passed with no answers, Jennifer grew increasingly frustrated and struggled to sleep, haunted by the fear that the killer might target her next. Unbeknownst to Jennifer, detectives were making significant progress in the investigation. They couldn't disclose much about their findings, but they believed they had located the truck and identified a person of interest. When Jennifer's phone was seized for analysis, aiming to clear her of any suspicion, thousands of text messages would reveal that not everything was perfect within the Faith's household. Investigators discovered that Jennifer had been involved in an emotional affair with a 48-year-old man named Darren Rubin Lopez who lived in Tennessee. Jennifer and Darren had a history of dating during high school and college with even plans of marriage at one point. The relationship ended when Darren, who had enlisted in the military, was deployed overseas to South Korea where he served throughout his career. Soon after their breakup, Jennifer met James and Darren met his wife. Darren eventually retired from the army after completing six deployments to Iraq and earned a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star but suffered a traumatic brain injury in combat. In 2018, Darren and his wife separated and he became increasingly isolated while living on a spacious rural property outside Nashville, Tennessee with his two daughters during the pandemic. On March 2020, while seated at his computer one day, he came across Jennifer on LinkedIn and decided to send her an email. The two reconnected and rekindled the relationship, which ultimately became a seven-month emotional affair. After they reconnected, things progressed rapidly. In secret, they often conversed, exchanging tens of thousands of messages and making numerous phone calls over the following months. Jennifer referred to Darren as her soulmate, and together they devised a five-year plan to eventually be together. Over time, Jamie discovered their affair, which left him devastated. In April, Jennifer disclosed to Darren that her husband had found out about their relationship and had begun abusing her. Over the next few months, Darren started receiving emails from Jamie alleging that he was subjecting Jennifer to physical and sexual abuse. In one of his emails, he said, I'm telling you to stay away from my family. I enjoy knowing you can't do a fucking thing about it. Subsequently, he began receiving emails from one of Jennifer's friends offering evidence to confirm the validity of all the abusive claims. These emails also included photos of Jennifer displaying visible signs of physical abuse. In an email, the message stated, I am asking if you're willing to get involved and help Jen out of this situation. Jamie is abusing Jen today. Any ideas how we can help her? Darren responded, I know I won't feel better about her situation until she is out of the house away from him or she lets me put a bullet in Jamie's head. 
In a brief 12-day span from the end of November 2020 to the beginning of December, Jennifer and Darren exchanged nearly 6,000 messages. On October 5th, four days before the murder, they exchanged a staggering 700 texts in a single day. However, on the day of the murder, during a 28-hour period, Darren's phone was turned off and no messages were sent. On October 9th, Darren embarked on a 650-mile journey to the Faith's residence in Dallas, which took approximately 10 hours of driving. He arrived around 2.19 a.m. and parked his vehicle in the backyard of a vacant home next door, an instant captured by the Faith's house residence system. Darren would then wait until approximately 7.30 a.m. when he would launch an attack on Jamie Faith, tragically ending his life. After the shooting, Darren turned his phone back on as he drove from Dallas back to Tennessee. His credit card was used along the route to purchase gas, Red Bull, and some food and returned to Tennessee around 5 p.m. With Darren now the main suspect, aerial surveillance was conducted on his residence and what they observed parked outside of his house was a black Nissan Titan pickup truck bearing the distinctive white letter T sticker. In the days that followed, detectives closely monitored his actions and eventually the sticker was removed. Jennifer had texted him a link to an article discussing the white letter T, advising him to remove it and clean the window thoroughly, saying, So I woke up in a bit of a panic. Something is eating away at me, telling me you need to remove the sticker from the back window of the truck. It might just be me overthinking, but I'll feel much better if you take it off and clean the window really well. Darren responded, Good morning, Angel. I love you. I've been working on that sticker little by little. Jennifer's ex-boyfriend, Darren Lopez, now faces a murder charge. Detectives say he drove from his home in Tennessee and gunned down Jamie Faith. Court documents say during the month of the murder, Jennifer and her ex-boyfriend exchanged more than 14,000 calls and texts. Which brings us to Wednesday, when police arrested Jennifer too. Nearly five months later, she faces a federal charge for obstruction of justice. With all the necessary evidence in hand, Darren was arrested on January 11, 2021, as he awaited trial on both state and federal charges in connection with the killing, but ultimately pleaded not guilty. A month later, Jennifer Faith was taken into custody as investigators started unraveling the plot to harm Jamie Faith. She initially faced charges of obstruction of justice when authorities uncovered her instructions to Darren to remove the T-sticker from his truck but pleaded not guilty. In September of that year, she was charged with the use of interstate commerce in the commission of murder for hire. Earlier this year, I spoke with Jennifer's defense attorney, Toby Shook, after her arrest for obstruction of justice. Jennifer was devastated by the murder of her husband. Uh, she has cooperated with the police the past three months, met with them on numerous occasions and answered all their questions. After her murder for hire charge, Shook had no comment. Ten months after our interview, Jennifer remains in jail. And if convicted, she may face the death penalty. As part of her plea agreement, prosecutors agreed to dismiss the obstruction charge and recommend a life imprisonment sentence. 
Four months later, Jennifer Faith pleaded guilty and was later sentenced to life in prison. Along with her prison sentence, Jennifer was instructed to provide $6,500 in restitution to her late husband's family to cover funeral expenses, and she was also fined $250,000. Furthermore, all the funds collected through the GoFundMe campaign were to be completely refunded to all the donors. As part of her plea documents, Jennifer confessed to filing a claim with the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company one month before her husband's murder, seeking approximately $629,000 in death benefits that Jamie had obtained through his employer and admitted to fabricating false email accounts using both Jamie's and her friend's names. She used these accounts to harass Darren, falsely claiming she was suffering physical abuse to manipulate him into committing murder. All the while, Jamie Faith remained a loving and supportive husband and father, proving to be the best partner. Subsequently, she confessed that Darren was responsible for fatally shooting her husband. The murder weapon was later found in his car, along with a credit card in Jennifer's name. 50-year-old Jennifer Faith is now serving a life sentence in federal prison. Lopez is now on trial for the murder of James Faith. He's pleaded not guilty to the charges. Darren Lopez is charged with killing his ex-girlfriend's husband in what investigators say was a murder-for-hire scheme. Yesterday, Lopez took the stand, opening up to the jury. Our Chris Sadegui is live outside the courthouse with more on his testimony. Chris Lopez got pretty emotional while testifying yesterday. He did, Matt, and the jury could soon have this case after hearing the man accused of murder take the stand and admit that, yes, he did kill James Faith, but he tearfully said he did so because he was manipulated into doing it. I was duped in there, part of it, but I'm not going to say I'm just a total victim. No, man, that would be disrespectful to Mr. Mr. Faith. Jennifer turned me into the monster. I had promised myself if I was ever in a position to help somebody that I cared for and loved, I would do it. After examining text messages that appeared to contradict Darren's claims that he had no choice but to fatally shoot Jamie Faith, the local prosecutor's office countered by stating, Evidence shows Mr. Lopez took no logical steps to confirm the abuse or to otherwise secure Jennifer Faith's safety. There were no other avenues he could take besides driving across multiple states and murdering someone in cold blood, but that's the option he chose. After hours of deliberation, a jury has finally decided on a punishment for a man convicted for killing a Dallas man while he was on a walk with his wife. We, the jury, having previously found the defendant, Darren Lopez, guilty of murder as charged in the indictment, unanimously assessed the punishment of the defendant at confinement in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for a term of 62 years and a fine of $10,000. Darren Lopez has now been sentenced to 62 years, as you just heard, in prison for murdering Jamie Faith in 2020. That same jury convicted him for the murder earlier today as well. Yesterday, Lopez took the stand in his own defense, saying he believed he was rescuing his ex-girlfriend, Jennifer Faith, from her husband. The defense says Jennifer Faith manipulated him with stories of abuse. She pleaded guilty to a federal charge in the case last year and received a life sentence for it. During his time in jail, Darren remained in denial regarding Jennifer's fake accusations. 
But after six long months of persuasion, he finally became convinced and expressed his devastation saying, When I got arrested, I went to jail truly believing I saved Jennifer and her daughter. The thought never registered my mind that she could use me in this way. I believed she loved me. During the trial and her closing statement, prosecutor Brandy Mitchell demissed the notion that emails and text messages could be seen as a valid justification for Darren's actions and said, Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to choose to kill a man, if you're going to end his life, if you're going to choose the time and the place where you end his life like Darren did, then you better have a damn good reason. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate the show, and follow me on Instagram at Exhibit May Podcast.